You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How good's he can feel that the presence of God, just peace. I don't know, it's just something about the presence of God is good, hey? It's so good. Hey, turn to someone next to you and say hello, give them a high five, welcome them. If you haven't seen them before, just embrace them in a big hug. Maybe not, that could be weird. If you like your personal space like I do. <laughs> the, um, the presence of God is here. You might... He's everywhere. I mean, he's everywhere. It's funny. The other night, I was trying to teach Audrey, my young, my little daughter, she's three, about God, the presence of God. And we're sitting on the bed. I mean, it wasn't deep or anything. We're just, we're reading like a kid's Bible story. And I said, oh, you know, God's here. She goes, yeah. She goes, he's my heart too. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. You got, you, he, and then she points to the end of the bed and she goes, he's right there. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm like, so he's right there? And she's like, yeah, he's right there. I'm like, all right, okay, maybe he is. I can't see right now. (laughs) Anyway, she was having a moment. It was awesome. And I'm like, so what does he look like? She's like, he looks real. I'm like, okay, this is deep. Uh, God, you're probably here. Like, this is good. But uh, my daughter's freaking me out. No, God's... God's everywhere all the time. He's with us. God with us. He wants to be with humanity. That's why he went to the cross. He wants to be with us. And, um, and we're going to have fun this morning. God is here. The presence of God is here. The power of God is here. And, uh, and God's a fun God. He likes to have fun. God, I swear, he made coffee for a reason. I am a coffee lover. I was going to say addict, but that's not true. You don't go around saying you're a water addict. No. I need coffee just as much as I need water. It's not an addiction. It's how God's created me. Nah, I'm probably in denial there. Hey, it is so good to be here. So good to have you this morning. Uh, I feel really uh, privileged and excited to be here with you this morning. Um, So thank you, Pastor Beck and Pastor Darren, for for having us. It's so good to be here. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Simeon or Simo. People just call me Simo, so you can just call me Simo. And uh, my amazing wife who's out looking after uh, some of the kids, her name is Jess. And uh, we've got two kids, William, who is, he just turned one, and Audrey, who is three. And uh, they keep us busy. They keep us they keep us busy, that's for sure. I'm an architect, is my full-time job, just as a teacher, and she's like full-time, overtime, double-time, night shift mom, and, um, which is great. She is doing such a good job at that. And we oversee young adults uh, in Victory, so 18 to 25 plus. We just love young adults. We just love hanging out, serving our young adults, just having fun. I, that's why I like young adults, really, is we just have fun. And... Um, and so Jess and I are doing that, but we just love being part of this family, this church family. So thanks for having me this morning. It's going to be good, good morning. Um, who enjoyed last month's series? Who enjoyed it? Man, it was absolutely phenomenal. Like learning about the power of rest, the wisdom of godly rest, how to rest not just physically, but like mentally and like to let our soul rest, right? Because we live in this world that is crazy, hell-bent, so fast that we are wearing ourselves out for what? You know, and we learnt 
last month, how to rest. And I think it's a journey, it's a process that we're all on to learn with God. How do we rest? How do I, how does this look like for me? How do I rest, recuperate, refresh? And we're, we're on that journey. So don't leave it in last month. It's probably going to take you months, years. It's through different seasons of your life. It's a continual practice of rest. It's like a spiritual discipline of learning how to rest because it's how we grow. There was a I mean, I know we're not preaching on it, but uh, there's this awesome quote that just stuck with me throughout the whole series from uh, this book by this guy called Dallas Willard. And he said that um, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual formation. The hurry, like the internal hurry. Anyway, we need to keep working on that. And it was an awesome series. But this month, I'm privileged to kick off a whole new series called It's Time for Influence. And... um, if you were here for like Vision Month, you know that this is kind of the focus and the heart and the push and the heartbeat of our church that we're going towards. The fact that it is time for growth, it's time for internal growth, that we should grow as people, growing in God, growing in our relationship with others, grow in our, in our service to our community and all this kind of stuff, grow in numbers that people would come and know what it is to live a life with God and to be free in Him. Um, so it's to grow internally and to grow as a community. And it's time for influence. It's time for influence that we as a church, as a people, are an influential people. That we are a people who influence. We are not in neutral. We're in drive. I don't know what gear you're in, but we are going forward and we're influencing and we're continuing to influence people, each other. We influence each other by loving one another, sharpening one another, but we are influencing this city. We are influencing this city for the kingdom of God. I love the vision statement, the overarching vision statement of our church is a, is a life-giving church empowered by the Spirit to influence this city and beyond for the kingdom of God. That is our mission. We're not just parked in neutral. We're going forward. Amen. So I'm pumped to kick off. You know, this is episode one of the new series of The Influential. Is that the, t- is that the series title? The Influential. We are the influential. We are the influential church. We are the influential people. Amen. Who's excited? Who's ready? Don't miss out on one Sunday of this service. And if you want to double up, get the podcasts and everything from Central, you'll, you'll love it. So get your notepads out. We're going to have a good time this morning. And we're going to start uh, in Genesis. I think we've got the scripture up on the screen. Awesome. Genesis. I love Genesis because it's, you start to see God influencing the earth. You start to see God start to influence the earth. And it says here, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then it goes on and tells us how God begins to create things. He begins to speak, and He begins to create things. So here we have we have the earth, which was formless and void. It actually, it was chaotic. There was no order. There was no life. It was just, it was empty. And God comes, and He starts to fill it up 
with life. And he starts to influence this chaotic, empty place, this lifeless place with life, with creativity. And he, he, you know, he creates the sun and the moon. He separates day and night. He, uh, he lets the waters teem with living creatures. The land produced living creatures according to their kind. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness we shall make them. And it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I think this is awesome. Here God is, He's creating and He's filling up the world with life. He's filling up the earth with life. And then He creates us. He creates Adam and Eve. He creates humanity. And He says, fill the earth and subdue it. He says, I want you to continue to fill up the earth with life with me. I want, I want you to continue to influence this earth, this world, full of life and hope and joy and the things of God. He's saying to them, I want you to do that with me, and I'm giving you the authority and the power. And we know that Adam and Eve, they, they sinned and they fell and they were kicked out of the garden and they gave up their authority. But then Jesus came, and He didn't just come. He came to save us from our sin. He came to reconcile us back to God, to reconnect us back to God. But He also reinstated the authority in our lives to influence this world with the kingdom of God, to influence and fill it up with life, with hope, and bring order to a world and parts of our world that is chaotic and lifeless. And it's reminding me of like Jesus when he teaches his disciples how to pray. And he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, let your will be done on earth as it is. He's like saying, influence this place, influence earth with the things of God. How awesome is that picture? And we are the influencers. We are the people now on the planet that God has called us to influence our world, our sphere, our planet, our whatever it is, whether it's your workplace, your family, your university, wherever you go, wherever you are, God has given you the same authority to fill up and influence this world. We are not in neutral. We are intentionally influencing our world. And every single one of us, and as a congregation, as a church, as a people collected, we are influencing this world. And we all have a part to play in this thing called the kingdom of God. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you uh, for your word. I just thank you uh, that you have called us to influence. And that we, every single one of us, has a part to play. And Lord, I just thank you for this series and I pray that it would enrich us and inspire us, Lord, to advance with you the kingdom of God. In your mighty name, amen. Uh, a little story. When I, was, when I was young, when I was a teenager, I was heavily influenced by music. I love, I still love music, but like music was the greatest influence in my life. Like I loved music, so I still love, like my heroes were musicians, like my favorite musicians. I mean, I didn't, 
not really how they lived, you know, but really just the fact that they were these creative guys that would create music and songs. And so ever, ever since I was young, um, me and my friends would just, we loved our music, right? And we, I wanted to be in a band. My dream was I want to be in a band. I want to be in a band. I want to be part of a, I want to be, I want to be famous. I want to be in a rock band. And I wanted to play drums, but that was too loud. So mum said, you can get a guitar. So I got a guitar. But all my friends, we, we, we wanted to start a band and we got to this point where we're like, hey, let's start a band. Yeah, it's a great idea. Let's start a band. And um, we're like, yeah, I, I think I can play guitar. Like I, I used to get lessons as a kid because I'm a teenager now. Like, yeah, I can play guitar. And then someone's like, yeah, I can play drums. And, and we got these guys together and we're like, we're going to start a band. And uh, we were into like screamo, hardcore, heavy rock music, right? I don't know if anyone remembers that phase. Like the emo phase. Does anyone remember what emos are? Not em, em, what, not, um, not Sesame Street, Elmo. Emos, like, this was like this, I don't know, this teen angst kind of depressive. It was cool to be like that. And so we, were, we wanted to be like that. And we're like, that's going to be our band. And uh, we're like, well, we're going to come up with a name for our band. And we came up with the name Atrophy. As, you know, the word, like when a muscle atrophies, we're like, yeah, that's, that's morbid. That's awesome. Let's go with that atrophy. We're gonna, and so we're like, yes, we're going to start this band. And, um, and then we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna, if we're going to be famous, we're going to start a MySpace account. Right? And Facebook didn't exist. Twitter didn't exist. So we're like, yeah, faith, MySpace was it. And you can put songs on there. So we got down. We created our MySpace account. And then we're like, okay, now we've got to actually write some music. We've got to do, some, we've got to, we've got to do our thing, right? So we had everyone in this room. Like my friend's room was this tiny room. It was probably about the size of this stage. And uh, so we're all kind of like hunched over the drum kit. And we're like, we're just jamming. And we're like, oh, I think we have a song. And we wrote, we made a song. We're part, we're excited. We made this song. Like, we're going to record. We're going to record so we can put it online and we're going to be famous. So we got one of those little computer mics, like those tiny little like ones on a stand, like a stick. And we just placed that in the middle of the room like that. And we all like turned off our instruments and we just hit record on like Microsoft Windows recorder. And then we played and we played and we created a song. And I have it. No, I'm not. We don't have it here this morning. I, I do still have the song, but we played this song. It was awesome. But the only thing that was missing was uh, we had the, the bassist was a singer, but our lead man, he wasn't a singer. He was, he was our screamer. Like, he didn't sing. He screams because he's really good at screaming. So that's how, that's how cool we were. And, uh, but he didn't come up with any lyrics. And he, refu- he just kind of never came up with any lyrics. He just put it down to writer's block. I mean, he'd never done it before, but he didn't come up with any lyrics, and that was it. That was the band, the dream, the, it was finished. And that was it. It's like Atrophy was the perfect name for the band. <laughs> like, it was amazing how that happened. Um, but the, the singer didn't pay, play, pay, play his part, you know. And I think when it comes to the kingdom of God, every single one of us, has a part to play, right? Every, there's a contribution. We might, we might have our own skills and purposes and callings and desires and dreams and things that God has put on our heart to achieve in this lifetime. But there's something powerful when God says, hey, bring your individual life. 
bring what you have and come together to this thing called church, this community of people called believe, you know, this community, this collective. Bring your solo life and connect it to the collective life because there's a song that can be played to the world. There's a, there's a greater influence when you band together and you, you sink in with the song that God is playing to this city. We can influence with a, with a louder rate, with a greater impact when we bring our solo life in connection to each other. Every single one of us has a part to play. There's this awesome scripture that just, that just says this so well. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's going to be up on the screen. It's a bit of a longer one. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. When he's talking about the body, he's talking about, he's, it's, kind of a, it's a metaphor for us, the church, the people, all of us together. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, and I, I think this is kind of funny how Paul starts talking about the feet and the ear, different parts of the Like, this is kind of, in Scripture, I feel like Paul's trying to be funny. It's like the one moment in Scripture where he's just getting a little bit of a joke in there. He's just trying to be funny, get a smile on people. And, um, oh, well, I've lost my spot. Now, if the foot should say, because I am a hand, I do, do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that's funny, like Paul's trying to be funny, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But if in fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand, head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, indispens uh, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. He's saying that you might play an, an invisible role in this thing, but he said it's, it's probably a crucial role. It's a vital role. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, each one of us play a part that is crucial to one another, that is crucial to one another, just like my band's. We couldn't be a band without the singer because he didn't want to play his part. And who's seen a band that is squabbling over who plays the solo? You know, they're not playing in harmony, right? No, every single one of us play a part, and it's not for ourselves. It's for the greater good of the whole. And that's what we are as a church, and that's how we are influential as a church. And this morning, talking about influence, I, I kind of want to break down 
how it is that we influence as people, how we're to influence this world for God. But I actually want to do it in a different way. I want to just break some myths of the way we think about how influence, how the church, how we as part of church influence the world. Is that all right this morning? If we just kind of break down some myths, is that good? Yeah, it's good. Okay, cool. It's going to be up on the screen. Myth number one. There are those, this is a myth. I'm not, this is not a statement. This is a myth I want to break. There are those who do ministry and there are those who do not. Who's thought this? There are those who do ministry and there are those who do not. When I say ministry, I'm talking about the idea that the people that are like on church staff, the leaders, the people up the front speaking, the people doing stuff on a Sunday are the ones that are being influential. I just go about my everyday you know, work, family, but they're the influential ones. That's a myth. I think that, that is a mindset that God wants to break. I mean, even in that verse just there, he's saying the ones that are on display, yeah, they have a function, but there's parts that aren't on display that have a more vital role. There's no one more important than the other. And this myth that there are those who do ministry and there are those that don't is, is hamstringing our influence as a community to our city. Because it says that the majority, because it's only the minority that does stuff that you see, right, up the stage and all this kind of stuff, and saying, hey, the majority doesn't do ministry? That's not what Jesus in the New Testament starts to describe. He describes every single one of us. We are like, we're like, we're walking lights. You know, there's a scripture. Let me get to it. Matthew 5.14. It says, you, it's a collective you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And sometimes I think we come to church and we let our light shine. Yeah, we could take the cover off and we let our light shine. Yeah, we're here, we worship, we're having a fun time. It's good, it's great, I love it. But we let our light shine here. But sometimes if we, if we think that myth that, well, we're not, we're not ministers or something, we go back out into our week, Monday to Saturday, and we, what, we cover up our light? We put a bucket, we put a covering over our light. And this scripture is saying, no, you're a light on the hill. People don't put a, lamp, put, a, put a bowl lamp under a bowl. No, they let it shine in the darkness. No, we are, we are lights. We are all ministers. There's, no, there's not either or. We are all people. Every single one of us in the part that we have to play and the role that we have been given to influence our world, to influence people, to influence this city for the kingdom of God. Every single one of us is a light and we're to go out and shine that light. It's not, it's not either or. It's not ministers and not ministers. We are all called to influence our city for the kingdom of God. We are all called to influence one another here, to encourage each other, to celebrate with each other, to, to celebrate the wins, but to, to mourn with each other with the losses, to hold each other, to comfort one another. We're here to influence each other, to sharpen one another. So that's myth number one, broken. There are those who do ministry and then those who do not. Let's get rid of that mindset. Myth number two. 
My contribution is insignificant. My contribution is insignificant. I think in this world of media and TV, when we think of influence, we think of influence in like we need to be seen on like some kind of platform. We need to be loud. We need to be outgoing. We need to be brash. We need to be bold. We need to. That's how you influence. Is you you kind of one of those people, and then we see our life, which seemingly we think is normal. And we pit it up against something like that, and we go, oh, my contribution or my influence must be small. And we sit around, and we think, oh, I'm not really. I've been asked before, it's funny, there's this, and it's a mindset, and I, I, I just really don't like it. Someone come up to me once, and they ask me, what are you doing for God? I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever had, what are you doing for God? But the attitude behind that was like, if you're not doing anything crazy, if you're not like out there, you're not doing anything for God. I felt like saying, I'm working nine to five. I'm doing a good job for my boss. I'm being honorable. I'm, 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 being, I'm being truthful. I'm serving my family. I'm loving my family. I'm, I'm raising my children. I'm present. I'm there with my family. That's what I'm doing for God. I'm, I'm loving my friends. I'm standing with them. I'm spending time with them. I'm there when they need me in the tough times. I'm with my friends. That's what I'm doing for God. I don't know what you're talking about. That's what I felt like saying, but I didn't say it. But it, it's this mindset that what, oh, what I'm doing, it's not really anything great for God. No. What you do, your part that you play, your contribution is incredibly significant in the kingdom of God. Come on. I want us to turn to John 6. And I mean, my wife kind of stole this part of the message in the, um, in the offering. I kind of let her know that she could, she could do it. John 6. Let me try and get there. This is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is an influential moment, right? Where there's thousands of people, they're hungry, they're scattered across the hills, and they, they come into this moment, and Jesus is there with his disciples. And it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore, uh, far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he'd performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. I, kind of, I shouldn't have read all that. It was too much. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, it's funny because Jesus is a trick question. He says, he asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And sometimes God's going to do that to you. Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And we skip over this, but this is powerful. The disciples are freaking out because they're thinking, oh, how are we going to deal with this situation? And this boy, unnamed boy, just has what he has in his hands, right? He just has some fish, seems normal, seems Basic, doesn't seem crazy, not influential. And he comes with what he has in his hand. And he's kind of saying, how about this? Like, he, he's the one with faith coming to Jesus and going, look, this is all I got. But I reckon, I reckon you can do something with this. This is all I got. But you can do something. God wants to take what we think is like small in our life. The mundane, simple, normal parts of our life. 
And he says, when you put it in my hands, when you give it to me, you don't know how influential it can be. You don't know how far this thing can go. When you just, you just give the part of your life into my hands, the things in your world is not insignificant. So I want to break that myth this morning that, that my contribution is insignificant. No, it's not. Whether your contribution here in the community is welcoming people in the front door. You don't know someone who hasn't been here before walking in and they see someone smiling at them. They see someone greeting them with like a big handshake or a hug or something. Just smile. Just joy to see someone come through the doors. You don't know how that would affect someone's life. The small things that God wants to use. It's amazing. There's so many parts of this place that operate that if they were missing, we would really notice about, you know? If they were missing, we would really feel it. We'd be like, oh, yeah, someone sets up these chairs. But sometimes we just walk in and we sit down in the chairs. We just think they come out of heaven and plunk themselves down. But if no one was here to set up the chairs, we'd walk in. We wouldn't know what to do. We'd be like, what's going on? And if there was no sound engineer up the back, like... We wouldn't be able to hear stuff. We'd be like, "What's good? we'd miss every single part, but every part has a part to play. And when we give it into the hands of God, just the simple service of our life, and we give it to God, we serve Him. He says, awesome, I'm going to take this and I'm going to multiply it for thousands of people. And you might not see, you might not meet every single person, you might not every shake every single person's hand, but it's going to affect a lot of people. Your influence is going to be wide. So that's myth number two, broken. My influence is significant. Myth number three, I can't see the fruit of my influence. And I think this is a key one. I can't, in other words, okay, if you're saying that, Simo, you know, you bring, you, we're just bringing our life to God. And that is how we're going to influence this city for the kingdom. We're bringing our life and we're... We're consecrating it to this community of people called church. You know, this thing we do on a Sunday through the week. I'm, I'm giving my life to that. How can, I can't see the fruit of my influence. How do I know I'm being influential? Because when we look at the world, when we look at the way the world influences, the way the world measures impact and influence, it's, it's about impact. It's about shock value. It's about, you know, the louder, the better, you know, the, there's this kind of the way the world wants to influence us. But Jesus, when he came to earth, he brought a whole different model of influence. He brought, he flipped it upside down. It's an upside down kingdom because he didn't come as a king as the disciples thought he was going to come. They thought he was going to come and he was going to overthrow the government. He was going to become a ruler on earth. But no, he came sacrificially, humbly, and gave his life ultimately to influence the rest of humanity. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing. This is an upside down kingdom. You might not be able to see the fruit of your influence. And Jesus, he wasn't, I mean, he would have seen it. He knows what's going on, like it's Jesus. But he left before the greater part of his influence took place. The disciples, they would have died before they saw us here today, the spread across the world of their impact and their influence. They didn't see it, but they had faith for it. And I think this, this can limit us, that I can't see the fruit of my influence, so what's the point? If I can't see things happening, so what's the point? Or we get discouraged. I'm serving week in, week out. I'm doing these things. I'm, I'm working hard, but I can't, see, I can't see the fruit of my labor. What's going? Is it worth it? Yes. 
Because the kingdom of God is like a seed that is planted. It says, um, oh, where would the scripture go? It's on the screen. <laughs> then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast. And I don't know if you make pizza. I love making pizza. It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God, when we outwork our lives intentionally, when we outwork our lives intentionally, it is like a seed going into the ground. And it's going to grow. It's going to, it's going to take time. It's going to grow and it's going to produce a big tree that lots of birds can live in. It's, going to, it's like yeast. You, know, you might not see it working. You not might see it happening straight away, but when you outwork your life intentionally, it's going to start to go to work. And there's a scripture where Paul's talking about it, and he says, you know, some sow the seed and some water it, but God makes it grow, right? God makes it grow. So we have to trust as we are sowing seeds of influence. This is going to grow. It's like with faith, you know. I'm, I've been sowing for 10 years. I haven't seen anything yet. Well, shivers, wait till you do because, I mean, the longer it takes to grow, sometimes it's a bigger tree, you know. Like stick in there and you're going to see the fruit of your labor. It's not in vain because that is how the kingdom of God works. It spreads kind of, kind of under the radar and it starts to grow in influence. And that is how I see our lives together, each part of our worlds coming together as a collective, influencing our city for the kingdom of God. We're planting seeds. We're, we're tilling the soil. Some planted it. Some of us are watering at it. God is making it grow. God is making the effort and the hard work that we put in grow, that it is influential, that it is doing something in our world. You know, we have our solo lives our individual lives, just like a band has their individual parts, each and every single one of us. I mean, we go to work, we're, we're an individual out there, but we're still influencing the world for the kingdom of God. And then we come together and we make a louder sound and we influence the world for the kingdom of God. Every part is significant. And I just want to finish in, in John 15... This morning, you know, we are called for we are called to be influential people. It actually says in Corinthians that we are called to be Christ's ambassadors here on earth. The way he is representative, the way to re represent heaven here on earth in our workplaces, in our universities, in every sphere, every realm, every place that we go into, every place that we walk into. Our role is to fill it up with life, to bring order to the chaos, to bring life to the lifeless. It's to walk into places intentionally influencing it. In John 15, actually before that, I'm just going to read this out in John 13. When it comes to community, when it comes to us as a church, I love all this stuff. I love the lights. I love 
you know, great buildings and stuff like that. All this stuff is awesome, right? This is great. This is fun. This is all, there's a reason for it, right? But the thing that's going to influence the world, the greatest impact is going to be when, when the world sees a whole group of people that are broken. Like we're broken. We have missing pieces. None of us claim to be perfect. We have no moral high grounds. When the world sees a community of people that are together in one heart and one mind, in service to God and people and love, it's like Acts 2.42 where it says that they're breaking bread together. They're, they're in one heart and one mind and they're, they're loving one another. There's this beautiful sense of community. It says God added to their number daily. The, the power of community is influential. And Jesus also said it. He said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said, he said this. He said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's, gonna, that's what's going to influence the world. When the world looks at us, what do they see? If they see love, that's how people are going to know that those guys, they're, they're real. They follow Jesus. There's hope in that community. There's life in that community. There's people have something that this world can't give. It promises, but it can never give. And we come to John 15, and the greatest influence that we have as individuals and when we come together as a church to give to this world is when we allow the greatest influence of God to influence our world, to influence our solo life so we can come and be powerful as a collective life. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's this awesome picture of we're all bearing fruit because we're, we're remaining, we're part of the vine. We're receiving life from God and us together as the, the collective vine is producing much fruit. We're producing much influence. But it's all contingent on the fact, on the fact that we are connected to our Father. We're connected to God, the source of life. We can't bring life into this world unless we're connected to the source of life. And we are called to be influential. Our influence looks different to that of the world. We're called to advance the kingdom of God, bring order to the disorder parts of our world, to bring light to the darkness, to bring hope to the hopeless. We have the answer. We are the answer. God has put it on the inside of us. Together, as each part plays its role. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.